Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Content and Conversation. Today I'm excited to have Mark Barrera on the program. He's VP of Audience and Review Generation for Trust Radius. Uh, for those who don't know, Trust Radius is a growing in a rapid fashion B2B software review website, uh, super competitive industry. A lot of you probably run into this indirectly looking for software, uh, probably even more so now that Mark is on the scene driving a lot of SEO rankings uh, for Trust Radius. So uh, excited to have you on the program, Mark. Appreciate it. Glad to be here. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, I've run into Trust Radius, especially more recently over time in my background, did some consulting in the space, and it's impressive the kind of product you all are building. Um, and one of the things that stood out, and we had some early conversations about the what, what to talk about here, is you're doing some interesting things with SEO data that I think some people might not do themselves and, you're, and how you're monitoring and acting on that data. Can you speak to that a little bit? And and um, I think people would love to hear of that kind of data, how you act on it, and some examples there. Yeah, I think um, there's there's kind of two sides. One, monitoring our own health, uh, but then also keeping a pulse on competitors in the industry at large. Um, so on kind of the, the ER side, uh, when I first came in, uh, one of the goals was just to kind of put a lot of the, the processes and reporting in and, and make sure we, we had a good pulse on, on everything we were looking at on the SEO side. Uh, so examples of that would be indexation rate. Uh, one of the things we found early on was that, you know, we have hundreds of thousands of pages at that point through the way we generate product comparisons and, and things like that. And we had to take a, a, a shrink to grow strategy. Um, hmm. So really figuring out what we pushed into the index. And we would push sitemap files for each of the different page types and monitor the percentage of indexation for those to kind of grade ourselves. You know, under 60, we were failing, you know, 90% are up. It was an A grade. Um, so as we shrunk the site, we would monitor that indexation rate to kind of see, you know, what, what could we do better. Um, beyond that, you know, really getting into the nitty gritty, of course, you know, were we pointing links to the right place, uh, which we found we weren't. Um, we do a great awards program, but we were putting the value of all the links we got into that into our blog, mm -hmm. not back into the categories and the products that were winning the awards. Uh, so we changed the way our product worked in that regard to, to point the links in the right place. Um, auditing content like we all do, there's a lot we found there. Um, but really, again, kind of understanding our site in the competitive space become, became something very important for us. Uh, and so we used a lot of third parties like SEMrush, uh, Ahrefs, to say, okay, we all have similar page types. Let's count the quantity of URLs we have. Let's count the quantity you know, for our competitors. Let's see the yield per page on these. Hmm. And let's monitor that over time to kind of see you know, how hard does our content work for us compared to them. Uh, so we have a lot of data that, that really analyzes that and, and helps keep a pulse on on the quality of our content as it relates to theirs. And it allowed us to stay focused on a quality game, whereas a lot of our uh, competitors play a quantity game from reviews, really short, low word count, whereas we have very rich, you know, a couple hundred word count uh, reviews. And so a lot of this was uncovered through those third-party tools and just setting up the mechanisms to, to kind of monitor that and see where do we stand? You know, do we need to vastly expand our taxonomy and go into more categories? Or are we better to just stay focused on what we're doing and, and beat them in the places where we're playing against them? Yeah, super interesting. Random. Several questions I thought of coming off of that. Uh, and I've heard exactly how th this was operated when I did consulting in the space now, like eight years ago. Um, but are is your practice to individually index each of those reviews? It, it's not. Um, we are different, actually, than a lot of the other sites. Most of our competitors do block that. Hmm. Um, we do allow a lot of that to go through, 
Um, not all of them, but what we deem a certain qu quality grade. So we do grade each review. We're, we're manually vetting each review that comes through. We have a team of humans that actually do that. We assign a score. It helps us to understand um, the reviewers and their quality and who we should reach out to and get more reviews from. Um, but it also helps us on the SEO side. So we can say, yep, these are high quality. Let's push those out. Because sometimes we do find that those longer reviews have nuggets of content that we may not display on our product pages that, mm -hmm. that host those reviews and can catch that long tail. Um, so there is a percentage of our reviews that we will allow for indexation based on that quality. And that's kind of uncommon in, in your space where it most is. people will index it, those? It is. Yep. We don't we don't see that as often from our computer. Yeah, I mean, that's interesting. And I like that theory of just longer reviews generally being more helpful and you're not creating kind of indexation bloat. Yep. I, that, that is two parts of your thought process. Totally. totally. To that. Yep. Nice. Uh, and then also, yeah, indexation rate. So you're effectively trying to get that to close to 100% as correct Yeah, as we'll, we'll call it a, an A yeah. or a B will work yeah. in some scenarios. Um, uh -huh. Again, product comparisons, you know, we could produce umpteen tens of hundreds of thousands <laughs> of those. Um, sometimes we stretch the limit, but again, that's what helps us determine how many of those we choose to put out there as by watching that. A uh, good spin-off question to that that I thought of in looking at your site and some of these comparison pages. So for people, just to kind of paint the picture for some people who might not super understand the space, there's like um, Ma or HRS versus SEMrush hypothetically on your site. And a lot of these comparison or combinations can be created. Lots of different pages can be created from that. You have a lot of reviews, high quality reviews on these pages in particular on your site. <clears throat> Something I notice and I think is relatively common in this space is you'll take snippets of reviews and different details about each provider into the comparison page. Something that I think a lot of SEOs think thoughtfully about, hopefully, and I can tell you are, is how exactly you do that to make sure each of these pages are unique. And I know you mentioned also to me in our conversation before this this call that you, you do let your providers use some of those reviews themselves on their own pages. So yeah, that being said, wondering how you think about duplicate content, those thresholds, any considerations there that would be useful? Yeah. So my personal view on, on duplicate content is that it's very hard to trigger that anymore. Okay. Uh, and a lot of that comes out of prior experimentation I, I'd done at a company previously I worked for, Ziff Davis. Uh, we had a big portfolio of sites and uh, part of that was in the Black Friday space. Hmm. And in that arena or even in the coupon space that we had, it's really hard to differentiate the content. Everyone's working off of the same affiliate feeds of coupons. So duplicates very common. So we got to test a lot in that world. Um, and, and what I learned at that experience is that duplicate is really hard to, to trigger Achieve. a penalty. Okay. In some ways, it's, it's sad, actually, how easy <laughs> it was to use the same content on three different domains and have three news articles show up using the same content. And, and Google really reward us with that duplicate by just changing a, a page title as an example. Um, wow, wow. The difference being what surrounded that content, the experience of the different sites was enough to make that differentiated. And that's still kind of what we see today that a vendor could take the same review as us, but because the framework around it is different enough, Google's not typically gonna see that as duplicate content. And it, it, I mean, it makes sense. Now, I, I hear you say it out loud. Obviously, if they're sophisticated enough to figure that out, I mean, you still have a great page experience. So that's what it's about. They yep. might also probably have understanding of different query types yep. where they know those are probably harder to achieve. So their threshold matters less. Like, the, 
the the other part of it in the industry we're in is actually you know there's properties out there owned by Gartner that that operates similar to those coupon site mentality. Three of those sites are operating based based off of the same data set of reviews, and they're all using them to rank these three different domains. Basically, using oh really? The same I didn't content. know they're shared. Okay. So that's also been kind of our gauge on how how is duplicate performing, and what can we learn from what we see them doing. Okay. There, that's almost an interesting sidebar. Uh, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, those sites in particular, something you've, I've had conversations with some companies, some bigger companies will own several sites in a space and you might have some nervousness or generally would have some nervousness that the more similar these sites are, would Google eventually not want to surface similar experience? Do you think there's anything to that? Will they ever do thing, anything about that? I, I think they do and they will. Um, uh-huh. Again, it's it's a little looser than I would expect them to be. I think the the point that you brought up is that experience being different. Mm-hmm. So it's it's what do you do in, in treating that experience different? You know, if I come in on this content, but you've got some kind of tool that, that allows me as a user to interact with that differently than the other site who's pushing me maybe more as a lead off-site in different ways. Um, so I think that engagement is what they really allow to differentiate that unique content. Um, but I think we'll continue to see an evolution of that. Yeah, makes sense. And to be fair, those sites, as far as I remember, uh, they're they're different experiences. Yep, um, exactly. So that probably helps them get away with yep. it. And so we see that when we share that content with our vendors, it's the same thing. The way we're using it and the experience we put around it is definitely different than mm-hmm. them. So again, we don't run into that duplicate content nice, concern very nice. often. So uh, as I we brought up front, your title is VP of Audience and Review Generation, which is interesting on its own. Would love to hear what your, I'm I'm generally interested in this. I'm not sure why, but what your SEO department looks like, what people are working on, what's the impetus behind that review title you have? Uh, could you? Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll start with the latter there. Um, so I did come on with Trust Radius initially to solve the SEO problem, mm-hmm. um, and as we kind of looked at it, you know, I, I made it clear to the team that, you know, content from our site is comes from these reviews. Um, so I had a heavy hand and a lot of opinions on what we did there, and eventually mm-hmm. it became the right move to say, okay, you now own that uh, piece of the business because that's essentially our content backbone that's driving that SEO. Um, so Got it. thus the title now of, of audience, but that audience really is coming from that content that lives within that those reviews. And so I, I care a lot about making sure those reviews occur. Um, and are good. <laughs> yep, exactly. Quality, but, but getting them. And, and that is very hard. Um, mm-hmm. Getting reviews is very hard. Um, it, and it continues to get harder, uh, especially in a oh, B2B really? place. Uh, you know, you, you look at, you know, high-end software, security software, these people are paid, you know, two hundred to $500,000 of these jobs. How do you convince them to get on the record and talk about a product for 15 to 30 minutes when, you know, what's the motivation for them to do this? Uh, you know, you look at the B2C side, people leave reviews to complain or to be incentivized with, with coupons or different things. It's, it's a lot different in the B2B side. Um, a lot harder to find those intrinsic motivations and, and really push people to do it, which is a problem we're continually trying to solve. Um, everyone in the space right now does incentivize. We, we pay a little bit, but again, mm-hmm. to many of these people, it's it's kind of laughed at or looked at. That's a nice bonus, but that's not why I'm doing it. That makes sense. The actual users of this enterprise software, it's like a rounding error yep. that you can offer most of the time. Exactly. I'm guessing you're measuring those reviews. Is that a metric? You're, do you track that versus competitors? Or totally. And, yeah. and back to that quality, um, yeah. you know, how how are we doing with the word count and, and how are they and what is the quantity and, and does it matter? Is one sway more powerful than the mm-hmm. other? 
um, which categories, which products, what does that look like? Um, and then even within that, you are going to see a, a subset of those reviewers that review across the platforms because um, they see the mm -hmm. value in, in talking about that or maybe they're a big advocate for that brand or maybe against that, that product. Um, and so you do see those working across. And so it's interesting to see the way that these people will talk about a piece of software on our site versus uh, another one and, and compare that quality and making sure that we're pulling the most out of these people. Is that part of the strategy at all? Kind of like you can actually see someone reviewed here and like reach out to them? Definitely. Yeah. Uh, and some <laughs> of them anonymize it. Some of them don't. Okay. Um, but it, it's kind of funny. I think uh, one of our competitors is G2 and it was at MozCon a year or two ago. Uh, someone over there, I forgot. Uh, who it was had built actually a, a scraping tool. It's like, here's how you scrape G2. And it's like, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of ways that, that you can get at a lot of this data. We know it happens to us. We have a, a huge problem with our content being used or scraped for oh, a lot really? of different reasons wow. from Wall Street traders wanting to judge sentiment mm -hmm. on products and, and things like that. But uh, yeah, it's, it's easy to get at a lot of that data and do those comparisons. Yeah, interesting space for sure. So going, going back to your team, your head of audience and review generation, are there SEO other SEOs on on staff? Yeah. What are they doing? Yeah, so we've we've kind of evolved the team structure, but right now I've got a director of SEO, and she leads a team. She's got three underneath her. One of those is what I'll just call a, a data wizard. Um, so it's monitoring these dashboards, uh, keeping an eye on all of this to kind of have we have we have a daily you know heartbeat pulse for mm -hmm. all the metrics in the business to say where are we doing? If we roll out a product change and something break, we should see it on that chart. Like this number went off outside of the variants, oh, okay. we're going to know that right away. Because mm -hmm. that's always a challenge with a product-driven uh, SEO team is that, you know, things are going to break. And, and so we, we got to keep a pulse on that to help that product team keep things uh, in the right spot. So she's got uh, a data person. Um, he also supports some of the SEO strategy that, that we do with our customers that we can talk about. Um, and then we have a technical SEO. So working very closely with the product and engineering teams being that voice of SEO in the design process and then following all tickets through completion to say, yes, this is how it's not going to screw up SEO and ultimately benefit what we're doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and then there's another person with her. The, the video team sits within her, so she's got a person managing that, and that comes back to that content kind of living inside of SEO and, and being an SEO-driven strategy we're doing there. Um, aside from that group of four, we have a couple of others that work on our awards program, which serves a lot of benefits for our business. Um, uh, you know, pipeline and uh, awareness brand, but also does lead to a lot of links. So right now that sits within the SEO team as well, um, since that was primarily why we had set it up to do it, but nice. um, using that team beyond that. And then aside from that, you know, just like every SEO team, we interact a lot with a lot of other teams. So our research team is where a lot of our content comes from. So anything that's not written by the, the users of software our research team is doing the analysis of products and bringing that in. So we collaborate a lot very closely with, with that team as well. On, on the review side, I'm guessing you're not, I could be wrong, like doing a lot of manual outreach yourself for, for that. Like how big is that team or is that different? Yep. Team of three on three. that side for uh, generating reviews. And of course there's contractors beyond this. There's a lot oh, okay. of like review uh, processing Effort. and a whole lot beyond that. But as far as the core team for the generation of those reviews, uh, it is three. three, and we kind of look at it. The, the way we do that review generation is we have our community of reviewers, people who have left a review and now in our community, and we can learn about their tech stack and what products they've used and analyzed and continue uh, to okay. nurture them for mm -hmm. more reviews through time. Um, then we've got a team that takes our customers' list of customers when they can give them to us, and they're like, hey, these are the users of our products. Go ahead and do outreach. 
that's become less and less frequent with GDPR and privacy and, and all of the oh, things okay, yeah, that yeah. they're able to turn those lists over to us. Mm -hmm. So we have to get real creative in finding who are users of a product. Uh, so we go to customers' events and try to get people on record at events. Um, we do uh, a lot of just web sleuthing. So we're going on to social networks. And if there is an event that people are at things or they talk about products on Quora or, or Reddit, trying to find those people talking about these products and finding ways to identify who they are, do the outreach to oh, okay. them. Um, so that's kind of one aspect of it. And then the other part of, of what we do, um, actually there's one more, I forgot, so there's four on that team. Um, she's working with the vendors to get them to activate the review generation within their product, within their apps. Um, and that's where we see a lot of success too, is where in their customer lifecycle are these pe they interacting with these people and how can we inject that review ask to them. So it's more they closed the ticket, now, right? they, you know, did a renewal. Mm -hmm. Let's, let's get that ask for review along all of that. And so that helps a lot too. Nice. Nice. Yeah. When it's obviously it's the kind of space where you're doing re review quality, review volume, huge thing. Everyone's really working hard to get that. And what I saw in some spaces, I mean, is trying to find how you differentiate your product is a, sometimes a challenge. So one thing I actually, in digging into your site, I didn't realize it until I was digging into your site that I liked is your research boards. So to paint the picture for people listening, effectively you're researching a product or set of products, you visit Hrefs on your website, it will automatically, even without a login, I I'm guessing it cookied me, uh, save that to a research board, save other products to a research board. So effectively you can keep browsing around the site and not have to like save tabs. And then I have a history in that context. I thought that was very innovative uh, and unique. Uh, guessing that's a product team a little bit, but I would love to hear about the emphasis, the, hear about that product, how it came to be and um, is it successful, how it's doing, anything else you could share? Yeah, glad you saw it. We're, we're not uh, talking about it a lot. It's a brand new feature that launched oh, really? maybe about a month ago, but oh, okay. we've, we've been working on it for a while. Um, and, nice. and where that kind of came from is that, so we do a lot of uh, audience surveys to find out you know, what a buyers want that helps inform our SEO strategy, but also helps inform our product strategy. What, what do B2B buyers want to do and what are they facing problems with? And that was one of the things that came out of a lot of that research is that these buying committees are usually three, four, or five people, depending on the size of the software. The bigger the enterprise purchase, the, the more people are involved with that. And predominantly, they were using Google Sheets, or there was no tool that, that allowed them to organize that research. Uh, so we found that out in our, our surveys and said, okay, how do we solve this problem? And that's kind of what's led to the research boards. Um, but we're, you know, a lot more to come there. But right now, you're, we're kind of just using the data we have on our site. But our view is why not allow you to bring research from across the web into our tool um, and do that. So, you know, go to G2 or Gartner and find reviews there. Great. We're okay with that. Bring them into our side. We'll help you still manage that process because we don't have all the reviews of all the products. We'd love to, um, but where we don't, you know, bring in your, your research across the web into this tool, share that with your, your committee members on this purchasing process and, and learn from them. So, yeah, nice. we're very excited about it, but then it does also serve kind of a need on the SEO side is that today we're heavily relying on Google um, and we're, we're all one algorithm away from, you know, losing some <laughs> audience. So yeah. we, we need that stickiness. We want that mm -hmm. brand affinity. We want people to come to us for this tool and lessen some of that reliance, which also strengthens that brand, which rewards it helps you SEO, in the SEO. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> nice. Yeah. 
like that. Yeah, we use Spreadsheet. Or the big one enterprise purchase we made was Smartsheet, originally 10,000 feet. Um, and we use a spreadsheet. Yep. <laughs> uh, probably. And, and it doesn't guide you. We also want to make that part of it. Teach yeah. people, like, here's how you make a needs list. And then here's how you should score these things. And so we're thinking about a lot of that. Uh, one thing I didn't meet, I didn't f- pick it up, but how you uh, you message your differentiation, and one of them is that you're not doing paid placement. For how how are are is trust radius monetizing? Yeah, so we're we're two sided marketplace, just like a, a Verbo or, or anything like that, where um, you know the majority of our audience is this buying audience that we don't charge you anything to come research software, mm-hmm. um, but we've got to make that money. Uh, fund that. So that comes on, on the vendor side of our business in allowing vendors to manage these profiles on their site. Um, but the management of that is really just getting visibility into the data of uh, who's looking at me, what products are they comparing me to, um, you know, does oh, that coming? change over time? Uh, but then the thing that's really been of interest to the market of, of late is our intent data. So we're very much serving an audience of B2B buyers at the bottom of the funnel. Um, and so there's a lot of value in vendors saying, I want to know who's researching me, who's looking at my pricing so that they can run their ABM strategies or other things based on that data. Uh, we feed that data into their LinkedIn advertising as an example to say, you know, uh, matching up it. to their ICP and we can allow them to be super specific. Uh, but also it caters that advertising message because if they know you're researching XYZ competitor product, they can run a takedown ad of them and why we're better than them based on the data that we provide them. Okay. Nice. So sort of like, do you integrate with Clearbit or you have your own kind of? Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Clearbit is someone we work with, uh-huh. um, but then we also feed our data out into platforms like Sixth Sense uh, and, and those as well. Okay. Nice. Like that. So effectively the rankings are really, are driven by review quality or uh, score? Yes. 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 Okay. Yes. Nice. Nice. Yes. So, I mean, that is ironically, uh, unfortunately, um, a differentiator in a lot of these spaces that pe- people probably don't realize, but most of the time, the placement is paid for. Uh, yep. And that's, again, you know, it's, yeah. it's tough. It's it's hard to get the, the market to understand that because they do see so many. Like you look at a Captera and placement is 100% paid for because it is a lead generation model. Um, we don't do that. And so uh, people still look at us through that lens of that's what they're used to seeing. Um, but we, we hold fast to that, that rule. We, we're trust radius and we want to hold on to that, that trust. How do you deal with, I'm, I would guess incentives somewhat push towards positive reviews, even when you're sourcing them, how do you deal with that? Are you still like yep. sourcing negative reviews actively? And yeah, yeah. Great question. And that's again, something that I don't think the market understands the mm-hmm. challenge and, and how we're different. Um, it's built into our scoring algorithm is the easy answer. So we've done a lot of research and continue to do to understand what a, a well-distributed you know, view of, of ratings would be. So, you know, from a zero being the worst product to 10, we work on a 10-point scale. And if we're seeing all eights, nines, and tens coming in, we're very suspect that you know, people are manipulated. handpicking you know, top NPS type of people they're sending us. They're not giving us mm-hmm. a, a well-distributed so our algorithm will actually dampen that. It has a model that says, oh, really? cool. this is how it should be distributed. If it's not, we're going to weight these less based on that. Oh, okay. So that's built into our scoring methodology. Again, something that's hard to translate to someone as they're buying and understand that we are different in that way, but but that's how we do that. Nice. Yeah, I've actually thought about that. Uh, there's like agency review sites and some of the inherent things I, I'm like, uh, that exact thing is going on. Uh, 
at, at this level. Uh, that's awesome. Obviously, the software model, because there's pr much more money to be had, yep. uh, is more sophisticated. But that's great. Yep. And, and we will show those reviews. But as, as it comes into the scores we present, uh -huh. again, we factor that in. Gotcha. Um, so, yeah, it's a challenge. But, yeah, we, we put the onus on the vendor to prove to us that they're mm -hmm. doing sourcing methods that would take into account all good and bad. And with many of them, it's hard to show them. But once they do that and they open it up, they actually see their scores go up. And they're like, oh, wow, this is counterintuitive. We're like, exactly. But <laughs> we've built the model to, to reward you bringing us everybody. Cool. Nice. Yeah, uh, an interesting thing that you you do is sort of serve as SEO consultants to these vendors. I think that's a little unique. What's interesting, and I've noticed it a few a few times with clients we we've worked with. Very often, if you're helping someone with a website in some context, there is an opportunity to help them do better SEO. I mean, I see like Kevin Indeg and Shopify. They're obviously huge and sophisticated. To my knowledge, it makes sense for them to help their their e-commerce sites do better search. I don't know if people in the middle all understand that, uh, but it's great that you do. I'm curious how that works in practice. How are you helping people with search on their own sites? Yeah. So um, one of the things when I came in again is, is that we saw we sit on a treasure trove of data, and our customers aren't quite aware of that. Sometimes they have great agencies mm -hmm. like like yours working with them. Sometimes they don't. Mm -hmm. Um, but either way, we, we run across so much that we can inform their strategies and, and we know what people are looking for with them. So we started just opening up our search console data and saying, here's what we see around your space, your category, your product. Uh, match it up to yours. What holes do you have? It's, it's kind of this, this content opportunity in a different way using a third party like people would use SimRush or anything. But we're giving our treasure trove of data to say, this is where we see success. Have you used this? Um, which then helps them in a lot of ways. What we've seen from them is... You know, a lot of them spend a lot in PPC, and if we can show them, you know, you could go get this, or actually, if you helped us drive more reviews for this product, we're going to rank better, and maybe you can pull down on your PPC spend. So we share a lot of that with their PPC teams as well, because they may not, they, they look at us as an extension of their website. Consider us another subdomain. Mm -hmm. If we're winning, they're winning, because they're able to capture that traffic through us. Um, so it's a lot of that, but beyond that, again, we have this content we can place on their site. So we can see what are the long tails they're missing. And hey, we've got that content on our side. Let's feed it into your pages through our widget, our syndication widget. You've now got that content. It's going to be fresh. It's going to update every time you get new reviews. Uh, and then we do other things like bring the structured data from our site into that to let them get the stars and, and mm. that click-through rate improvement on theirs. So uh, we can go as kind of deep as they want, depending on, on their need and how much SEO is a focus to them. But, but we've seen a lot of customers excited by and no, and no duplicate content issues, as you talked on. Oh, that's yep. that is super interesting, um, yep. for sure. I mean, I love the leverage point. I, I'm guessing you use this a decent point. Like the incentives are so strongly aligned when someone is like ranking number one or even top three, for you to go in and be like, you should be linking to us on your homepage, probably. Hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, it, it it works both ways. We yeah. we both benefit, and again, that's where it, yeah. it's good for them to see us as a partner in that case. Um, and actually, one of the, the data points I didn't bring up earlier when we we're looking at it is we model CTR curves very much across page types and can understand for each, you know, the, the now nine positions uh, on the first page, um, what's each going to bring from a CTR perspective, which tells us, you know, which page to prioritize. But we can also bring that data to our customers like, hey, if you, you write product comparisons of you versus your competitors, you're going to get way more traffic and 
an outcome from that than if you keep focus on these category terms or other things that don't have the volume and on their site. Correct. Saying. Correct. Okay. As well as on ours. So, uh. you know, we, we use that for ourselves, but that's something else that we can pass those insights to them. Nice. Nice. Yeah. My, my brain, brain is rattling <laughs> around that. I was thinking about the, like there's, I don't know, the, the incentives of not paying necessarily. I wonder if that actually leads to more links hypothetically. I'm not sure if you've ever seen anything like that, but that's kind of where my brain was going, but maybe I got a little stuck on that idea. So, so elaborate. Just make sure yeah, or, or something like if someone's ranking one or number two, but they're not paying for that placement necessarily, maybe it's more permanent. Or also, obviously it's in flux a little bit, but um, something about that feels, also the authenticity, I guess, of like giving, like we've got an award on another site we get, we have good reviews. Don't get me wrong, but yep. I just like I don't feel inclined to like embed a widget necessarily, right? Totally. But if HubSpot ranked us the number one agency or something out of the blue, out of a more organic list, I feel like I would be more inclined to do it. And I, maybe there's something there. I don't know. Maybe there's not. Yep. And, and, and we have yeah. some people that span on on all sides of that, yeah, depending yeah. again what their goals are and, and how mm -hmm. they view what they're able to do and what what we were able to do. Because uh, a lot of teams don't have the time or energy to invest into some of those places. Um, so, yeah. Nice. Yeah, uh, you mentioned testing is a big part of what you do at Trust Radius, and you run a lot of them. On either side, to the extent you're comfortable sharing, we'd love to hear, like, did you see any counterintuitive tests kind of, like, win or lose in your space? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, one, one of the f most fun that, that still to this day, every time we run it, has proven value for us, and again, not saying it, it you know, every site's different, but uh, in, in the software space, everyone, or e e every space, everyone wants these best terms, you know, best for this, best for that. We use top. Um, we, oh, really? Yeah, we, we rank well for terms with best in them. We're able to rank well in that query, but we've differentiated ourselves in the SERP by using top versus being one of everyone saying best and allows us to grab more of that click-through rate. Uh, but still rank on those terms. So that was one where I, I told my team, like, oh, it's going to be best. We're going to keep calling it best. We continue to call everything top instead of best. <laughs> are, are, do you run an international strategy as well? Yeah, we're we're English-only site, but we are worldwide in, in uh, traffic acquisition. So um, we don't have deal with any foreign language content, which makes it a lot easier to manage. So one thing, I don't know if this is still the case. You're, you're probably aware of it. I did some consulting for a company in Australia and I was gave them uh, uh, tips on how to improve click-through rate. And I was like, given this presentation, I was like, you all should put best in this. And what I learned at the end of the presentation was like, we can't say best in Australia. Is that still true? I wonder if that's helping you in Australia. You know, I'm going to go look into our data after this <laughs> to see. Because um, that would be apparently like it's like in finance sites, you can't say certain things. So. Yep. And this wasn't limited for that reason, but uh, I bet it's paying off for us. Yeah. Um, but but we do look by country to kind of understand that same thing. Or are we missing opportunities? Mm -hmm. um, is, there, is there things we should take in consideration internationally? Do you roll those tests? Like you're literally always running a tile tag test? Uh, not always for the same page, yeah. but yeah, we try to. Where we're seeing opportunities based, again, on click-through rate curves, like, oh, wow, if we could just get one position up on all these, let's go run a test across that page type because that's, 20% more for us if it's a winner. Um, but yeah, we, we try to be doing as much as we can. 
But you know, we, we share our, our kind of testing philosophy and, and everything with the product team. So maybe we're doing a lot of engagement things on the site, and so we don't have the room to do as much SEO testing. Um, oh, okay. But but yeah, we're we're predominantly running a lot, uh, and we're big fans of SEOtesting.com to manage a lot of that data for us and, and make it easy to measure and, and report against. I know there's a lot of options out there. Uh, not a lot, but SearchPilot. Uh, there are probably others. Yep. You run a software comparison site. How did you land on SEO testing? Uh, the the cheapness, to be very fair. Yeah, that's fair. Um, we had modeled a lot of the internal tools we created after SearchPilot, or uh, we've looked at sites like uh, Pinterest actually has a great SEO team that's mm-hmm. published a lot of insights on how to do SEO testing and others like that. And so we built internal systems, but it's just cumbersome to do. And we found that this one actually was closest to what we needed, but in the lightest way, cheapest nice. way of getting at it. Um, yeah, and, you- and we have a great team that uh, some of these search pilot and whatnot, the way they work through CDNs and different things didn't necessarily, wasn't needed by us. We had some of that built into our product that we could leverage already. Okay. So. How, any like tests that lost that you would have like by SEO standards, everyone says should win for you or anything like that? Or is that kind of the big one on the top? Uh, there's there's a lot of them that we've been surprised by. I think content too. We We were very content heavy at the top of our pages, long form and we said, you know, this is restricting our users' ability to use the, the product well and get to where we think they want to mm-hmm. go. And so we moved that to the bottom. And we thought that we'd take a pretty good hit on that and turned out uh, wasn't really a big change. And if anything, that engagement improvement helped us more than, than the moving down nice. of that long-form content. Yeah, we, we've been using the word phrase time to value a lot. feels like that. An interesting kind of spinoff of that concept, I'm wondering if you tested this, is – even if the con- – so we talked about duplicate content, but also content, period. So have you considered – I know in this space you see it a lot, like these buying guides. I don't know how many people actually engage with the text on, like, the best CRM software at the bottom. Yep. Everyone, to my knowledge, a lot of the sites in the space have a big guide at the beginning, bottom. Yep, and, and that's where we had start. We thought <laughs> the guide should lead. Uh, and, You're again, right. our, yeah. our data said, no, people – aren't getting to what they really want, which is to mm-hmm. learn about the products. Um, the flip side of that, though, is that we really see that we're competing. We do compete with the review sites, but we compete with more publishers than we do review sites. And what they produce typically are those guides. Mm-hmm. And so we're trying now, and this is the, one of the changes we're going through, is to kind of balance that, to, to do what they do, yet do what a review site does in a way that really helps the user make a product decision. So there's a lot of changes we'll have coming to our category pages for that purpose to kind of balance guiding people to make a right decision, having the the knowledge there, but not long form content that's going to restrict them from kind of doing that process. Makes sense. So more less of a read it guide, more of a let's let's guide you type of tool. Makes experience. sense. One that for a long time I used to say to clients very like I don't think you can rank for best X software yourself. You should be included, but my, my intuition, or obviously there's a lot of contradictions that users don't realize this, but the best query I've always thought was you're trying to find an unbiased third party to may recommend something to you. So by nature, you shouldn't be able to rank first party. More recently, when I check these search results, I find that theory contradicted where especially big brands are actually capable 
assuming they feel comfortable listing other websites, they still put themselves first almost always. I'm, have you seen a change there? Is that, uh, Maybe I'm making that up or maybe it's just people deploying the strategy. I, I'd say I think it's people deploying yeah. the strategy mm-hmm. and I would say competitive, competitiveness plays into it. Yeah. So a, a strong brand is going to have a better job doing that than, than a new startup would, would do Makes for sense. sure. Yeah. Because you, it is a very competitive space. You need that authority to be able to do that. Um, so I see it. It's still, you know, not saturated by people doing that. Um, and I don't think they could continue to win because, I, to your point, I think the intent is to find an unbiased uh, third-party view of that, which is why, again, vendors come to us because Trust Radius is that. Right. Um, but, again, sometimes we see them compete against us, and it's a win when they do because they're using our content. We're working together to do that. But it's it's oh. not as frequently as, as you might suspect. But, yeah, I think if you've got the authority, go for it. So a lot of those ven- the, a lot of those vendors will like pull in reviews from competitors and things like that. Um, those comparison pages we were talking oh, about. Oh yeah, yeah. Versus all of pages. That, yeah, all that data is theirs to use, and and we okay. encourage them to write that content and outrank us. Um, so your product versus your competitor's product, or let us both rank because it's a win for them in that scenario. And I think that's one of the the areas that is underutilized mm-hmm. is that people think about the category level terms, but. These comparisons are really more lower level, uh, lower funnel, and, and more valuable for them and less competitive, less competitive. In, in many cases. Agreed. So, yeah, we're, we're encouraging them to do a lot of that. So you have like a, a I don't even know how, technology-driven product page experience for best X software queries. There's content, you, you were just touching on a little bit, but there's content versions of that same experience. So there's the software advice, Git app, G2s that have a similar framework, and then there's blog type frameworks. Have you seen, uh, and I don't know if you're doing things like timestamps or not, Is Google, do you find Google's changing the mix of those or preference at all? Is there anything to that hybrid? Have you tested a pure content post? Short answer yeah. is yes, and that, that, is, that is the yeah. probably most dynamic part of our business. Each okay. algo update we see, swings that pendulum oh really um it was last summer june july i forgot the which algorithm um but those category terms took a hit for all review sites uh it was more predominantly you know these publishers the pc mags and and others of the world that started to rank better um, with some of that long form so as we've seen that pendulum kind of go back and forth that's again why this strategy for us is we've got to find that blend that no one's going after um we think that's going to be good for us in the long term versus, you know, being seen as a review site when those get hit or seen as a publisher, you know, we, we think there's value to kind of having and both versions of that. Nice. Nice. So, uh, we talked a little bit, uh, about link building and you, it sounds like you've got a great overall kind of data driven strategy. We'd love to kind of hear how you, how you think about that. Yeah. Um, seeing your posts lately on, you know, we, we don't build links. We, we build content <laughs> that earns links. That's been our philosophy. Nice. Um, we have done outreach and we will do outreach. It's usually to prime the pump, as I'll say, if there's a, a piece of PR content that we want to rank on, uh, but we know we're not going to without getting that handful of first links, mm-hmm. um, we'll do that. But, but more often than not, we're going after terms. Um, you know, a lot of people are doing those statistics and trends. We, we do that and we do well on those. Um, we, nice. the pricing, a lot of people want to reference our pricing. We, we put a lot of effort into having good, accurate pricing and quotes from customers on pricing because that's going to drive um, links for us. So we're big fans of trying to figure out what, what are the people most like to link to? What are those queries? And let's saturate those. 
Um, so that's one piece of it. And then the other being kind of the, this awards program and just that vendor engagement back to how can we have them use our stuff and, and help us help them in many ways. So we see a lot of benefit out of that as well. Is there anything, so awards program makes total sense for a site like yours. Is there anything unique or angles or of success with that that you'd go further than do or awards program that might be? Like you give certain images that you found like convert better, a certain headline, anything like that, that would be. Yeah. And that's a constant evolution. Uh, we do enable them with a media kit to okay. kind of say, here's 50 different ways you can go about promoting this. Um, but we learn a lot from them too. Um, we've got great customers with great marketing teams that, that teach us a lot. And so when we see it work for them, we bring that in and, and try to use nice. it. I'm trying to think if there's anything specific, but. Um, Do you like, uh, is it generalized images or were you like algorithmically or custom build an image that says Ahrefs is a top SEO tool? Yep. So we're getting a little bit more into that now. Yeah. Uh, we, we were just a static badge. Now we're making it more personalized, um, inserting their logos for them. So part of the challenge we saw is that people don't want to do work. So the more we can do the work for them, the better we'll see the outcome. So instead of just giving them a badge with ours, let's put theirs in there. Let's give something they're going to post on social so they don't have to build it themselves if they don't have a social team. So I think the enablement piece was what really propelled us further to making sure we make it easy on them. Um, so that's helped a lot for us. Nice, nice. So it's super competitive space. Is there... I mean, obviously it's going to keep evolving. Maybe you don't want to share your, your, <laughs> your product update history. Like, what are you excited about? What are you moving towards? Like what, what do you, what's, what have you been thinking about more recently? Yeah. Uh, again, we love finding what buyers are looking for. And so we continue to do surveys. We just, I saw your, the B2B buying disconnect just came out. Um, and anything in there, it says they want, that's what we're working on. So uh, an example of that is, uh, buyers, basically hate salespeople. They don't <laughs> They don't want to be a lead. And so we're trying to solve that problem. How can we be that in-between of the vendors and the buyers uh, so that, you know, you don't have to go, you know, do these demos or, or spend hours just to find out that that one thing you're looking for isn't there. So how can we as Trust Radius give you that insight and let you learn that before you become a lead? So an example would be product demos. Um, we have a lot of those today in the, the video assets on these product pages, mm -hmm. but buyers are really saying, we want that front and center and, and how can you give it to us? So we're, that's an area that, that we're focused on now to say, how can we provide the best demo experience as a third party in between the vendor and the buyer to allow the buyer to get an experience of a product without having to talk to someone from sales and, and becoming a lead. And there's a lot of cool tools out there that, that do a lot of this and, and we're looking for partnerships and, and ways to bring those into our site. Uh, and expose that. So you're not going to have to be a lead. You can get a touch on a product and learn about it. You like it? Sure, go talk to their sales team. But they, I, I guess you have to just keep that pretty updated. And that's that's kind of can be difficult, right? Challenge with all content. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> is the update yep. speed? Do you do post stamps on, or date stamps on your um, category level? We we don't. Um, and the main reason there's portions of the page that are you know handwritten. There's portions that are dynamic hour by hour. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's hard to kind of get into that, but, uh, you know, you referenced it earlier coming from the publisher side in my previous role, it's very important to have fresh content and we played a lot and you can game things and they care about that. In yeah, ways. yeah. Yeah. Um, so we, we've kind of balanced that. We don't, we don't swing that hard like a publisher might, uh, but we, we are concerned about how can we keep content fresh, uh, without kind of playing that game of timestamps. Nice. This is a, uh, one of my things that stood out to me uh, when I used to consult in the space was kind of like an interesting slash competitive 
internal linking setup. Like your instinct is to, you could have the instinct of saying best CRM software on like every single link or even the header, even say CRM software. Have you seen anything interesting with that uh, and like how you're internally linking to things that is worth worth sharing? Yeah. Um, short of it is that we're not allowed to go too crazy there on, on the SEO team. And, yeah. and we're glad that that's the case. Um, our product team cares a lot about, and, and back to, again, our brand, Trust Radius. We want mm -hmm. that trust and we don't want to look like we're gaming search engines or putting weird links that, that don't speak <laughs> right to the end user. Uh -huh. And so we, we've got people on, on our design team that really hold us to a certain standard of the alt text needs to match the image. You can't you know, do a lot of these things that we would mm -hmm. want to do. And honestly, we found that that's probably the best strategy. Um, I agree. Yeah. Naturally, <laughs> we will sometimes use this or naturally we will use that, uh, but we're not over-optimizing it, which I think helps us. So Shout out to Steven if he's watching this for, for keeping us honest there. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, I think that's the right strategy long term. It's it's one of those things where SEOs, you might get like a very minor short term lift, but everyone always misses the long term effect, yep. that brand erosion and totally. all that. Um, and it, it tends to like compound too. It's like bad SEO. You'll do every bad SEO thing trying to make up for it. And now it's getting worse. 100%. You don't <laughs> want to ride three algorithms up all for that fourth one to to catch you up yeah, for all those games you played for the exactly, last three. Exactly, exactly. So this has been great. Uh, anything I didn't ask you about, about the Trust Radius program that you think people should know or interesting that that stands out? or Oh, I'm sure there's 50 things I'll think of. But <laughs> no, I think this was great. I think we covered a nice, lot. Nice, nice. Uh, thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah, I appreciate your transparency, Mark. Thanks for coming on. And uh, yeah, check uh, Mark out on LinkedIn. Definitely check out that B2B buyer survey, even if you're an SEO and, and and you're probably going to buy software at some point. I thought it was interesting and a great example of content as well uh, that recently published. So check out Trust Radius. Uh, I think doing a great job in a very competitive space. So thanks for coming on, Mark. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this episode of Content and Conversation. Please leave us a review and like and subscribe on your podcasting app of choice. Thanks.